Hi, everybody, and welcome to AQ's Blog and Grill. We're really excited today to have Dr. Larry Smith with us. Now, Larry has a new book coming out, and it's 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 a I think it's a leap from his six million view um, TED Talk on uh, why you will not have the career you want, and and his new book is called No Fears, No Excuses, and he's got some suggestions on how to have the career you want. So this is coming out. Uh, Third week of April, and I hope everybody gets a copy. I've already ordered mine. So here we go. Hi, Larry. Hello, Alan. My pleasure to be here. Great to see you again. So, Larry, why the book? I mean, you had six million views on YouTube. It was a great dramatic um, piece. And now, a couple of years later, you're, you're out with a book. What was the motivation? Well, there were, it was an inevitable process, I think, even though I didn't notice that at the time. Um, those millions of views were remarkable. I always knew people struggled with career, but that gave me a sense of the scale that I'd honestly not imagined, and it was depressing. Mm. The second thing that happened, which directly led to the book, was hundreds of messages where people had more questions about that the TED video had set off. Mm -hmm. That's not surprising, because it was 15 minutes, and all I said was, you're gonna fail, if you uh, don't do a few things. Right. So I answered them and as best I could, and that was answer after answer after answer. Then it occurred to me, in fact, I was already writing the book anyway. Right. Why yeah. not write it? And the messages related to the TED video told me what people wanted answered. Mm -hmm. So in some strange way, this is really a market-tested book, tested by real people asking real questions, and of course, common questions, then those are uh, addressed in the book. Right. So that's basically how I came to write it. There, I must, if I'm going to also be honest, while thinking about whether I should or shouldn't, and did I have the time, and did I want to do this endeavor, uh, I was uh, confronted by a family member who reminded me that I'm always telling people that if they cannot leave their comfort zone, they'll never get anything seriously cool done. Uh -huh. Oh, when young people throw words back at you that you've spoken yourself, it's severely annoying, Alan. <laughs> so you've decided to, you decided to write the book. How did you structure it, Larry? How did, how did you guide people from the beginning to the end? So the book includes several uh, sections, all of which are primed to certain kinds of sets of ideas. Okay. So it walks you through, okay, why do you need to have passion for your career? Not to make you happy, but so that you can have a great career. Defines what a great career is, which of course is not money, status, and power. Then it talks about, okay, now the skill you're going to need is you have to be an innovative problem solver. That's why you need passion. Passion allows you to be an innovative problem solver in today's competitive world. Right. Now, how are you gonna become an innovative problem solver? What do you have to do? What kind of education? What kinds of activities? How do you do your research? Show you how to do research looking for your passion if you haven't found it. So a lot of very pragmatic guidance based on the questions, of course, came, many of them came from the Teddy audience, but many of them came from the thousands of men and women who sat in my office. And I was able to use the experiences of thousands of students to, to provide examples. Right. So it isn't just a list of do this, do this, do this. It's a, it, it talks about certain things you need to do it uh, talks about how you would market yourself, how you would market your ideas. First, you better have ideas. How do you find ideas? Then provide examples of students who worked. And of course, they're not all success stories. No. They can't be. Right. 
Uh, so some students did this, didn't work. Some older people tried this, it didn't work. And this did work. Then we talk about marketing. Now you've had a good idea, how will you sell it? And debunk the silly notion that if you've got good ideas, the world comes running to you and says, please, please tell me your good ideas. Help them understand how to present themselves. Right. We also deal with the unsexy uh, subject of planning. Ooh. No plan, yes I know, no plan, <laughs> nothing's gonna happen. Yep. So it's fantasy. So try to speak very plainly about mm -hmm. a whole range of things. You need to do them all, not, one, not just one. So we, we, and we concentrated on the essential elements. All together, they're sufficient. One alone, including passion, will get you nowhere. Right. But you also have an interesting uh, twist on that, which is, okay, there's an, you may have an interest, that doesn't make it a passion. What, what's the difference between somebody having an interest in something and saying I'm passionate about it and really having a, a place to start your plan or your process? Oh, certainly. And the first place, I encourage lots of people to develop many interests because you want as much choice. You don't want to latch onto something because whether it's an interest or whether it's a passion, the one you didn't look for might be the greater one. So look for lots of interests. Right. And then within those interests, become informed about them. You cannot have passion for something you do not understand. So there's, there's actually some tests the book recommends with respect ah. to uh, how you would distinguish between an interest and a passion. Uh, but to say it uh, in, in summary, if it's a passion, you cannot stop thinking about it. The mind cannot stop thinking about the thing it loves. Right. Passion is you have trouble putting it out of your mind. You almost need discipline mm -hmm. to put it out of your mind to deal with you know, pedestrian things like taking a shower. So that's one of the marks. But then notice it flows smoothly, which is the whole point, mm -hmm. into this whole idea of innovation. It's where really innovative ideas come from because you cannot stop thinking about right. the subject. You are always thinking, there's something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Somewhere, I, there's got to be a better way to do it. I can improve with, it. Yes. It's inevitable. It is absolutely inevitable. So I have students who tell me that um, they want to enter the entertainment industry, which is fine. So I'll have a discussion with them about movies, for example. And I will ask them, okay, when you see a movie, what's your reaction? I really thought it was a great movie. Mm -hmm. I really like watching movies. And? Exactly. And I want them to say, well, they saw this movie and my goodness, it was great up until this point, And then the whole movie fell apart. Uh, now they're looking at it with intensity, right. not just interest. So yes, for example, we thought, you know, someone says Avatar is a wonderful movie, except, and they can say the except, mm -hmm. they're not a fan. Right. They're now a connoisseur. There's a difference between those things. The connoisseur has passion. Right. The fan is just, is a consumer. Mm -hmm. Like I would like people to be happy. I think happiness is a good thing. But the argument for passion is not just an argument so you should be happy. It's so that you're going to have a great career and work. This is, book is about career success, mm -hmm. not happiness. Okay. I think if you're happy at work, it, it, will, it will make a happier life. Absolutely. So the happiness could be, maybe should be, the byproduct of a successful career. Well, in my mind, the book deals with the vexed issue of work-life balance. Mm. Let us not pretend there's not an issue there. Right. Uh, as I pointed out in the TED video, um, I, I don't want 
children used as an excuse for not doing things. So there's one chapter that just deals with excuses mm -hmm. to really get rid of them, and another chapter that deals with fear. So those are, we talk about the pragmatic things you need to do, mm -hmm. but then these things stand in your way. You are in your own shadow. The truth is, you can have a great career and a great family life. It takes planning, it mm -hmm. takes care, it takes consideration. It doesn't right. happen by accident. You could certainly have a great career and be a dreadful parent, but you don't have to be a dreadful parent yeah. or a dreadful, dreadful spouse. I am appalled at the number of students who've told me over the years, well, you know, when my parent comes home from work, uh, nobody can talk to him until after eight o'clock at night. And why is that, mm -hmm. I asked? Because he has a glass of scotch, sits in the living room by himself because he is, you know, coming down from the stress of work. Mm -hmm. Now, if that workplace is so bad that your child hides from you until you're calm enough to have a conversation, you're not a good parent. Right. Because the communication, you don't you, you even have the communication energy anymore. Now, I am actually sympathetic to that poor parent who may have had a dreadful day at work. Mm -hmm and cannot now cope with the teenager asking awkward questions about some complicated matter. Right. But do you see how it would fit better? Yeah. Like if, if you wanted to tell a child, as I hope any responsible parent wants to, you know, use your talent wisely, kid. Right? You decide how you would use it, mm -hmm. but use it wisely. And I want a parent to say, just like I did, you can preach till you're blue in the face. If you give them a role model, and a role model of a productive, satisfying career, how could that not be to the benefit of the child? Right. Now, not if you're a workaholic and work 18 hours a day. The book also explains why you shouldn't and don't have to, to have a great career. Right. Now, how do you avoid that? Because you, both of us work with startups and, and new entrepreneurs, and they think that that's a, that's a rule, that you do work the 18-hour Days. You know, it's, a, it's a life of a commando, um, six days, seven days a week. So how do we get through to them that you need to rest, you need to plan your time better? How, what well, makes sense? It, it is a challenge, first, because the startup community is this workaholic uh, culture in, in, imported from Silicon Valley, mm -hmm. uh, oblivious to the fact that the enterprise model in the United States is failing spectacularly with more failures then business startups and the average enterprise in America is getting older, not younger. And I will give little sermonettes to my entrepreneurs about their health, their physical health and their mental health. And if you're not sleeping enough and not eating properly, uh, you're gonna damage yourself even if you're 22. Right. The second thing is to point out that one of the reasons business failures are so high is not because the entrepreneur is not working hard enough, it is indeed because they're doing things which nobody wants. Figure out what the marketplace wants. Mm -hmm. And the truth is it will all get easier. Not easy, but easier. Right. And you will actually be able to find some time to have a life in terms of this whole process. And it's about delegation. It's a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. It's about learn how to do the process properly. But enterprise is not brute effort. Mm -hmm. So let's do it more thoughtfully. And if right. you do it more thoughtfully, you're doing it more efficiently. I'm an economist. Efficiency is, you know, it's like my favorite word, <laughs> maximum effect with minimum effort. Great. Now, you've been called, you've been nicknamed uh, over the last couple of years as the career whisperer. And um, is this book then, your new book, uh, 
kind of your expression of your, your thinking? Oh, I'm afraid so, I'm afraid so. I've spent 30 years in dialogue about uh, career. The, the reason I think the TED uh, video had some success is because it was driven by all those previous conversations. Mm -hmm. So I was frustrated by the excuses I've been hearing. That's what I talked about in the video. And I've been doing this for a long time. I specialize in labor economics, so I was giving career advice by 1981, and I haven't stopped since. And so over time, you can now use the experience of one student to aid another student. Right. It's like a critical mass of experience you could see in these conversations common themes. So I could say truthfully to a student, most people, most young persons trying new careers have tried what you're doing and it has failed. It doesn't matter whether it was IT or software uh, or uh, um, financial planning, it didn't matter. All of those strategies, that strategy failed for all those people. I really think it will fail for you too. And on the other hand, I can say practically everyone has done this who's been successful, even in different careers. Maybe this is one of, this is one of these fundamental principles that will serve you as it has served others. Right. And then I can also say very specifically, okay, if you want to enter the real estate industry, this is what your age contemporaries have done mm -hmm. successfully. The interesting thing, because I've been doing this so long, is I also have provided much conversation um, with former students. So it isn't just that the book is those who are 22. Yeah. I deal with a whole flock of students who approach 30, mm -hmm. which is their first career life crisis. Yes. 30 years old, in their mind, their life should be rolling and their career decisions set. The only question is, when is my next promotion? Right. And they discover they're 29, they're nowhere near where they wanna be or maybe can barely tolerate the mm -hmm. job and now doing it for 30 or 40 more years. Mm -hmm. So I deal with a lot of, I have over the years dealt with a lot of transition issues. How you go from A to B when your career is already underway. So right. if, you, if you wanna move into real estate development as a second career, wonderful, lots of great opportunities. So how are you gonna do it differently? How are you gonna do it better? What is your, what is your value add here? Right. Uh, and if it's merely to do what experienced people are doing, wait, you don't have experience, already a disadvantage you're gonna to have to have some new ideas. Right. That applies anywhere. If you wanna start, you better have new ideas. You wanna make a transition, well, you know, you may be starting late, so you really better have new ideas. Now, again, the book talks about how you develop new ideas. So not mm -hmm. just this exhortation, have new ideas, be innovative. It tries to explain how you go about developing that skill. And it makes radical suggestions, Alan. Oh, it does? Yes. Larry, yes. radical? Radical. I'm it surprised. suggests practice. Oh, practice. 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 How much practice? A lot. A lot. As much as necessary. But if you said you were committed mm -hmm. to this new career, right. stand and deliver. Okay. Who is going to be buying this book, Larry? I mean, you, you've written it towards um, people that are... are Starting a career and restarting a career? Are we looking at people between the ages of 20 and 30? Well, I think the publishers see the book as sort of expanding into the marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, I believe they think that the first market will be, which is why it's released in the spring, the graduation market. Right. So parents, grandparents, and young men and women who, yes. for whom um, life is not exactly unfolding the way they wish. Right. 
It is really about new careers, and the same principles of how you start a career apply, interestingly enough, at almost every stage of one's of one's life. Mm -hmm. uh, because some of my uh, TED correspondence was from people who identified themselves as in their 50s and 60s, and they were reinventing themselves, mm -hmm. which is why they thought the video helped them. Right. Uh, there's a message in my inbox, I've just answered it from Nepal. You've piqued interest in Nepal. Did I really? Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes you have to say it. Yeah, Alan, I did. Just... I, yeah, we'll edit that out for sure. Don't edit that out. That was pretty good, actually. But again, Nepal just, and it, and it, it was, it happened to be a young person writing from Nepal, mm -hmm. Nepal had the same issue that students writing from California had. Sure. What is my destiny? How will I find it? What do I do exactly? Mm -hmm. Well, the exact part was what the book is trying to address. So one of the things you've been able to do is, is kind of articulate this formula for failure. What does the formula for failure look like, Larry? What, how do you know uh, someone is, is going to fail even though they seem to be passionate or committed? Oh, there are a number of, there are a number of markers. One of which is they think of doing things and then think of many reasons not to do them. There's a burst of enthusiasm and then the excuses come back. Mm -hmm. The excuses or the fears. I am very respectful of someone who's afraid. In some ways, fear keeps us safe, yes. but it can't paralyze us. Examine the fears, like what are you frightened of? Yeah. Some of them, if you examine them carefully, you'll think, oh, really, I'm, I'm afraid of a shadow and it's my own shadow I'm afraid yes. of. Right. Other things, the fear may be realistic, but then the question is, can I moderate it? Can I take actions? Mm -hmm. Some people are just too lazy to work and you know, they have a desire and they cannot sustain effort for whatever reason. Right. Although the other, it does not follow the other way around, if we're going to do philosophy 101, mm -hmm. just because you work hard doesn't make you successful. Right. Even I've got workaholic students who are sure they'll be successful because they got a work ethic. Exactly. Yes, and they're working in the same direction, they're banging their head against the wall, they will bang it till they're dead. And their work ethic has killed them. And I'm, there's, that's, that's wasteful. Yes. And then the student who, you know, encounters for one obstacle and then plays a video game also not going to get anything done. Right. And so it is, it is, it is the, the discipline and work ethic need to be there, those old virtues. Our, passionate, our world of passion has not excluded that. Now, oddly enough, some people will use passion as an excuse for their laziness because, you know, I have passion. It will work out. I really want to do this. Yeah. I care about this. And by the way, I actually believe often that's genuine. They do care. Sure. They just not care enough to work. Now, of course, there's another proxy of passion to interest. If you're really passionate, you cannot not work. Right. I know when I have failed, no matter how passionate I was, it was because I went off the plan. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, Stephen Covey, uh, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. See, the old virtues, you know, as our world changes, those old virtues like that, are become more important, not less important. Right. So thank you for joining us today. Well, it's my pleasure, Alan. So folks, um, get this book because it's going to be helpful. Uh, I know this and uh, I trust Larry that he's going to guide us to happier, uh, better careers and uh, we'll all be better for it. So once again, Larry, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, AQ's Alan. AQ's Blogging Group.
Q's Blog and Grill.